Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about US politics and the Trump presidency, or as we journalists call it, the gift that keeps on giving. I'm Freddie Gray. I'm deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Jacob Harbron, who is editor of The National Interest and also author of They Knew They Were Right, The Rise of the Neocons. Jacob, it's been another crazy week in uh, Trumpland, or what we used to call America. I thought that the story of the week, I think everybody thought the story of the week was going to be Comey and his new book, um, which was going to be a sensational tell-all all about the president. There was a lot, of Amer- a lot of media hype around it. But then it sort of got blown out the water. Why did that happen? Well, the fact is that Comey didn't really offer anything beyond a few salacious details and some snarky comments about the white moons under Trump's eyes and the size of his hands. It was amusing to read that Trump himself brought up the famous pee tape that was allegedly filmed in Moscow and asked Comey to investigate him, to exonerate him, and Comey had to point out that this actually might breed more suspicion. It would look peculiar for the FBI to be investigating uh, such a circumstance. And I think Comey's book had, had a lot of nuggets and so forth, but it didn't deal a body blow to Trump. But again, it's unclear what would constitute a body blow, at least to Trump's followers, because American politics has become so tribal. If you look at, for example, House, House Speaker Paul Ryan, who just said he would step down, He was always opposed to deficits, but now he's run up the biggest deficits of all. So it's hard to know what any of these politicians really stand for. And of course, the other big figure is the other person starting with C is Cohen, Trump's lawyer, who's been in the news this week. And it seems to me the real scandal, or if there is any scandal within the Mueller inquiry, it's going to come from that, it looks like at the moment. Well, it's possible. I mean, one of Trump's big fears and that that his allies have suggested to him as well is that Cohen, who's worked for him for many years, would in fact flip and turn evidence on Trump about any illegal activities, particularly financial ones that could have taken place with the Russian mafia and Russian oligarchs. And it appears that Cohen himself was an investor in a kind of social club here in the United States that is affiliated with the Russian mafia. So someone else suggested that it could be that the federal prosecutors don't even need Cohen to cooperate. They already have so much evidence. The other thing that was a big deal was that it was reported by McClatchy newspapers that Michael Cohen, despite his adamant denials, did in fact travel to Prague, where he allegedly would have met with high-ranking Russian officials. And that would appear then to constitute collusion with Russia. And that would almost vindicate, or certainly vindicate, part of the Steele dossier. Well, the interesting about the Steele dossier is that the more evidence that comes out about it, the more accurate it appears to be. Mm. The other thing about the Steele dossier that I think has been, it's been treated somewhat unfairly because it was never presented as a final product. It did not claim to have absolute verification. It was simply reporting information. It was a bit of digging by a private, a former spy. Yes, that yeah. he had gleaned from his contacts in Moscow. 
Now, maybe the surprising thing isn't that there are anomalies, inconsistencies, or even falsehoods in it, but that as much of it is accurate as appears to be. And there have been a few interesting pieces suggesting that actually the Comey-Mueller-Russia collusion story is the way Trump keeps his base. Because if they're not, you know, having this absurd row over Russia, which the Trumpists all think is um, a sort of Democrat conspiracy, then Trump has to actually deal with his campaign pledges, which is much more difficult for him to follow. So in a way, the Russia story helps him because it sort of keeps this long, huge media drama going and everybody stays where they are in terms of where the electorate is. Is, is that a reasonable argument? Yeah, it's plausible until it isn't. Uh, the question would be, it was, will Mueller and the others, are they standing on top of a geyser or even a volcano of information? Will it be sufficient to not, I don't think you can jolt Trump's base. The hardcore of his base will say, if Trump colluded with Russia, God bless him. Putin is a great man. And it was above all important that someone like Trump become president to arrest America's precipitous moral decline. Now, an interesting wrinkle here that I suspect you may not be aware of since it's just occurred, Freddie, is that the Democratic National Committee has filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit against Russia, the Trump campaign, and WikiLeaks. The DNC is claiming that there was a massive conspiracy to alter the election in the favor of Trump, and it's been filed in federal court in Manhattan. It's essentially arguing that there was a Trump campaign conspiracy with the Kremlin to attack the DNC's computer. So, you know, that your thesis can actually be played both ways. The Democrats can try to rile up their base as well. If politics here is tribal, then there are two tribes. The question is, which one comes out on top? Yes. And I suspect, you know, given the way European politics is drifting, I mean, it looks like the left, the the Bernie Sanders type voters. Demographically, it's going to be bigger in the future. So the, the populist left, if you want to call it that, comes out on top. Well, personally, I've always wondered if Trump is simply a blip and someone who actually will trigger what amounts to a massive counter-reaction that the Republicans have gone so far with the tax cuts and trying to alter voting rights and so forth, that what they have done is, in fact, to awaken a sleeping giant, that the left, which had been fairly confused and somewhat dormant by the time that Hillary Clinton was running. I mean, you did see the enthusiasm for Sanders, but they weren't ready to vote for Hillary Clinton. Now, I think that that has changed considerably. So is America lurch to the left in the midterm elections? That would be interesting because I think a lot of people who are pro-Trump, not necessarily fanatically, but think that the good thing about him is he saved you know, the engine of the American economy, the free market, and with the tax cut, he's sort of set it, set it free again. And I think what you're saying would be that, in fact, Trump will end up being the person who destroys the American free market economy. Well, you could have a war on the wealthy in the United States. Yeah. I think that the discrepancies, the income inequality has become so exacerbated that when you talk to even young people on the right, Many of them 
don't feel like they have a stake in the in the American economy, and you know that the, the deck is stacked against them. Well, and you know, if, if I say this to my American friends, they'll often say, "Well, you don't understand America. Socialism is kind of antithetical to us. It doesn't. It wouldn't ever happen." What would you say to that? Completely false. We already are socialist in many ways. If you look at the growth of uh, entitlement programs. Obamacare is is in fact quite popular. Mm. This this is conservative mythology. Mm. The notion that that these programs are not popular, in fact they are. You can never. It's it, the rule of American politics has been since the New Deal that it is in effect well nigh impossible to roll back any social program once it has been established, and that's exactly what Barack Obama did with Obamacare. They're, the Republicans, even though they control Congress and the presidency, have been unable to purge the United States of Obamacare, which was the central plank, of, of one of the central planks of, of Trump's campaign. So then you would think that if it had been Trump versus Bernie, Bernie would have won, you think? It's possible. Now, you are talking about a man who did his wedding anniversary in, in the Soviet Union. So... <laughs> The Republican Party could have depicted him as a crypto-communist. Whether that would have succeeded, I don't know. The whole election of 2016 is very murky, and I don't think we actually still fully understand what occurred. The question is this. Was 2016 an outlier, an anomaly, and we revert back to normal in 2018? Because the prognostication had always been that the demographics are turning against the Republican Party, that it is losing Hispanic voters, mm. and that it is in crisis. Mm. And it was, it was Reince Priebus who issued a report on this. Now, Trump defied the odds. He managed to galvanize enough white voters. And he formed a kind of left-right coalition. He did. His share of the, the Washington Post, ABC News, had a recent poll, and among whites who have not gone to graduate from college, he still leads 61 to 31 percent over the Democrats. So that's an interesting figure. But, you know, in the recent elections that we've had in Virginia and in Wisconsin, the Democrats have been rolling up the independent voters and scoring big victories. So it remains possible that the Republican Party will be wiped out in November 2018. And if that happens, does that mean that Trump is more likely to be impeached? Or do you think the Democrats will think, no, we're actually winning more because of him, we should just roll it out until we complete the annihilation in two years time? Well, there will be big pressure from the Democratic base to move towards impeachment. And impeachment isn't actually that difficult to do. It doesn't have to be successful. You can just impeach, if they win the House but not the Senate, mm. they can impeach him and make his life miserable for the next year. That's essentially what happened to Bill Clinton. Mm. The objective of the Democrats will be to tie the Trump administration into knots. Probably not a difficult task since it seems to excel at doing so itself. But Trump's life will become very, very different. First of all, the Democrats would have the authority to requisition and publicize his tax returns. Yes. Those returns might show not that he was colluding with Russia, but that his claims of great wealth are vastly inflated. The Washington Post has a story today 
saying that he conned Forbes magazine in 1982 into listing him as being worth $200 million, when in fact his total sum assets were $5 million. If Trump, instead of being a billionaire, is revealed to possess in liquid assets somewhere between 50 to 150 million, I think that would be embarrassing for him. And he may have colossal debt as well. Yes, because actually in the one one of the times where he seems to have got most upset about the media inquiry is when it started in looking into the Trump organization, because clearly that's an organization that's done a lot of deals all over the world. And it would be it would almost be odd if there wasn't a lot of strange and suspicious activity there. Well, there are two things. Was the Trump organization, in fact, a criminal organization with its deals in Central Asia and elsewhere? And two, if the level of criminality that people suspect was not in fact true, that it wasn't as involved as many people suspect. What is Trump actually worth? Once you strip the nimbus of wealth from him, what happens to him? I think it would be, you know, this is a man who's a narcissist and it would be, he fears, he clearly fears being exposed to someone who's not, who's not in fact mm. A financial kingpin. That that may be his greatest fear, for all we know. But part of Trump's appeal, in a way, though, and perhaps this is just to the sort of hardcore base, but I think it was actually bigger than that. Was that he he is a bit of a gangster. He's, I mean, I remember talking to someone in New Hampshire who said, "I said to them, don't you find Trump's a bit of a gangster?" And he said, "Yeah, but Trump's the real deal. He's a dollar gangster, and the other guys are all twenty-five cent gangsters." So I think there's a kind of is there a slight attitude among Americans that the whole elite is so corrupt now. Um, it doesn't really matter that Trump is himself a wheeler-dealer crook. There's definitely that attitude. But again, I don't think that just the base is enough for him to win an election. What, what put Trump over the hump was that he was able to appeal to swing voters, to independents, who held their nose and voted for Trump, but thought that the stench emanating from Hillary was so overpowering that they, would they would simply would not vote for her. So I don't think Trump can simply luxuriate in his bubble. I think that is the great peril for his presidency. And he clearly is worried. I mean, he's just brought on Rudy Giuliani to be part of his legal team. So he's desperate for, for counsel and for a way to effectively rebut the charges that are being lodged at him. The question is, are we, is Stormy Daniels right? She said today that Trump will not finish out his term. I mean, he is being attacked in a way that he's never experienced before on multiple fronts. Uh, well, Jacob, I think we should we keep meaning to do a podcast solely focused on Stormy Daniels. I think next time we'll do it. But thank you very much for talking to us. And let's speak again soon. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a Spectator Moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer. <laughs>